Welcome back to Science and You. As you're walking in the wild, a snake appears from some dry bushes and bites you above your ankle. How rather unfortunate. Keep calm. You must keep your heart rate and blood pressure low to slow down the spread of the venom. Remove your shoes and socks. Now you must find out whether the bite came from a venomous or non-venomous snake. If you see two deep puncture wounds on your leg, they came from the venomous fellow's fangs. In a non-venomous serpent's bite, you'll see small sharp teeth in a U-shape. There are around 600 venomous snake species, and you should look out for vipers and cobras. Each has a different type of venom and needs different treatments. If a viper bites you, don't put pressure on your wound. Trapping the venom in one area could make the tissue damage worse. Then you must rush to the nearest hospital for treatment. If a cobra bites someone, you must tie the area with a bandage to stop the venom from going further into their system. Keep an eye on the fellow that was bitten to make sure they're breathing. Yes, cobra venom can paralyze the diaphragm. Don't suck out the venom. It travels so fast into someone's system, you'll achieve nothing. Take a good look at the snake, and if you can, snap a few photos of it to show the medical staff. Try to have good picture composition. Moving on from snakes to allergies, most people respond to allergens with a runny nose or some sneezing, but others have far more complicated responses. An itchy rash may be a sign of an allergic reaction. It might look like dermatitis, and it can show up a week after your exposure to an allergen. There was a rare case a few years ago. Someone got braces for the first time, and after a week, they developed an itchy rash under their wristwatch and stomach. As it turned out, they were allergic to the nickel in braces. If you get blisters on your skin after sitting in the sun for one to two hours, it's probably not sunburn but an allergic reaction. You may also have some skin redness, tiny raised bumps, and scaling. When that happens, go to the emergency room fast. Experts will run tests and give you advice on how to continue from there. Sometimes different medications might cause it too, or fruits such as limes and parsnips can. If you're allergic to pollen, stay away from fruits and veggies. Some of them have proteins like the ones found in pollen, and your immune system responds to it as real pollen. They can trigger the same allergy symptoms such as itchiness, swelling of the mouth, face, and well, you know the gist. You're trapped in a car during a winter storm. Outside it's freezing, and you begin to shiver. That's a good thing. When temperatures drop below a comfortable level, your body starts to shake. This action boosts your body's surface heat production by 500%. But shivering can only warm you up for so long. After a while, your muscles will run out of fuel and they'll stop contracting. If someone suddenly stops shaking and they grow tired and want to fall asleep, act fast. Bring them indoors, remove any wet clothes, rub their hands and feet, wrap them in blankets, and find warm, dry compresses to apply to their chest, neck, or lower tummy. Never put a warm compress on their arms or legs. The sudden heat will force cold blood back to the heart, brains, and lungs, causing the body's core temperature to drop. 
While you're driving down an empty road, you hear an emergency radio broadcast about the weather. A tornado watch in your area means that a tornado is likely to happen. But a tornado warning means a tornado has appeared on the radar or has been spotted in person. You should also be on the lookout for hail. It appears when updrafts within a thunderstorm push the rain into the thick clouds and it freezes. But when a tornado is approaching, hail can arrive without rain. Then everything gets quiet. The air becomes still and there's no wind. Suddenly, you'll see the clouds moving quickly in a rotating pattern or toward the sky. You'll hear a loud waterfall sound that will turn into a roar as the tornado gets close. It'll be similar to the sound of trains and jets. Debris will begin to fall, and a funnel-shaped cloud will start to rotate, pulling branches and leaves upwards. If the tornado is not moving to either the left or the right, it might be coming toward you, and you won't realize it until it's too close. Take shelter! Just as you're chilling at home watching TV, you hear an eerie whooshing noise. It sounds like a soft gush of wind, but you confirm there's nothing there after checking all the doors. The next day, you feel pressure in your chest, and it gets worse as the week progresses. The chest pains follow with a dreaded feeling of exhaustion. You can't help but think there's something wrong with your body. But the problems are within your house. You might have carbon monoxide poisoning. When this gas fills your home, it builds up in your bloodstream and it replaces the oxygen in your body. Poisoning can also cause headaches, nausea, and confusion. In those cases, run outside to get fresh air and call emergency service. Also, get a carbon monoxide detector and add it in the hallway or areas where you sleep. Check the batteries twice a year, and when the alarm goes off, step outside and you know who to call. Okay, you're falling off a cliff. You somehow didn't know about her boyfriend. Dang, you're in a tight spot. Time to break the way down into several parts. Try grabbing anything you see as you plummet. Shrubs, trees, or rocks. This way, you divide a long fall into several short ones. With each new fall, the impact will decrease. If enough of the impact is absorbed, it means you've got a better chance of survival. And another chance at love. But not with her. Same for if you drop out a window. Try to cling to anything on your way. It probably won't hold you, but at least you'll have several falling intervals to help decrease your speed. A canopy to stop you can be a real lifesaver, no matter if it's plastic or glass. It'll hurt either way, but you'll survive. Maybe. You also need to bend your knees a little. If bent, your legs will touch the ground simultaneously, and the consequences will be less severe. Another tip is that whenever you land, try to do so on the tips of your toes and never on straight and locked legs. Don't forget to cover your head with your arms. They will help protect your noggin, no matter if you land on concrete or in a puddle of mud. Now, quicksand is not as dangerous as shown in movies. If you get stuck in quicksand, dang, you're in a tight spot. First off, stay calm. Then, you're not likely to sink more than up to your waist. Toss away anything that makes you heavier. Shoes, bags, even clothing. Wiggle your legs to create room for water. It'll help you get away. 
Your arms should always be up. Try floating, but not on your stomach. Move backward with small steps. Big steps are harder to take, so it'll take longer to get out. When you reach solid surface, roll out of that quicksand. Surviving a wild animal attack may be challenging, but a crowd of people is not any less dangerous. The crowd may move like a fluid, not letting you escape. If you're trapped between hundreds of people, dang, you're in a tight spot. Rule number one is not to stop. Stopping is the fastest way to fall. If you actually do fall, make an air pocket. Your arms should be placed above your face and chest, embracing them. If you manage to stay upright, as soon as you feel the surge coming, move with it and sideways at the same time. If you're lost in the wilderness and need to go fishing, you can use a can tab. Shape it in the form of a hook. Cut it at a slant and trim off the metal to make it look like an actual hook. The main thing is to create a sharp point. A can can also become a makeshift cooker. Take a can and cut out a hole from the side. Put some kindling inside and set it on fire. You can fry an egg on top of it. Dental floss can be super handy for surviving in the wilderness. First, use it as a fishing line together with a can tab hook. It can also serve as a clothesline stretched between two trees. It's thin, yet a single strand can hold up to 5 pounds. You can make a spear by binding a long stick and a knife together with dental floss. It's also quite flammable, so if you don't have any kindling to set larger pieces of wood on fire, try burning it. Dental floss can also be great makeshift shoelaces. A simple plastic bottle can make a very strong rope if you have a good knife. First, you need to find a small stump. It should have a diameter about the same as your bottle. Make a slit across the middle of the stump. Then cut a notch out of the stump large enough for your knife blade to fit inside. Cut off the bottleneck and make a small notch on its edge. Its width depends on the rope width you want. Place the edge of the bottle inside the center slit and put the knife in the notch in the stump with the blade towards the slit. Start slowly dragging the bottle through the slit. You'll see the bottle spin. As it spins, the blade will cut out the rope. You can use it to build a hut because it can secure logs really well. Now, a human can go several days without food, but there's no way we can survive without water. Water in the wild can be delicious sometimes, but if you feel like it's not safe to drink, you may need a makeshift water filter. Start with a fire. Boiling water may not be enough, so as soon as the fire ashes are cold, grind them to a powdery consistency. Don't use charcoal you randomly found in the forest. You never know what's in there. Then you need a plastic bottle. Cut off the bottom and make a hole in the cap. Turn it upside down, put in some charcoal, 3 inches are enough, and pour the water over it. The dripping water is ready to drink. To catch any excess charcoal, wrap the cap with a piece of clean cloth for extra filtration. Okay, you're getting hungry and you probably need to start a fire. Dang, you just don't have any matches or a lighter. Empty your pockets to see if you can make a makeshift fire starter. If you have a battery, probably the one from your flashlight, and a gum wrapper, that's enough. You need to cut a thin strip of the foil wrapper, yet long enough to connect the two ends of the battery. The middle of the strip should be slimmer than the ends. 
get closer to the pile of dry grass, small logs, or even some paper, whatever you're going to use to start your fire. The foil strip will ignite in seconds, setting the kindling on fire. Well, you finally made it! After all that training, you're ready for your first skydive. Full of confidence, you reach the door of the plane as it gets to 12,000 feet. You step off into the air, but at the last second, you hear the instructor screaming something. Sorry, I didn't check your chute. Well, you can't hear him as you drop away from the plane, seeing only his concerned expression. Well, feels like something has gone wrong. You pull the handle to release the parachute, but it hasn't deployed correctly, opening into a big wad, and you're now spinning faster and faster. You're getting dizzy, but you need to pull yourself together. Each second is crucial, and from this altitude, you have less than a minute to act. You throw yourself into the Bowman formation, spreading your body out with your arms and legs forming a big X. This creates a little more drag, allowing you to stabilize a bit. Hey, this whole thing is a drag. Now you have more time to get to your emergency reserve chute. Still dizzy from spinning, you try to remember where it is. You grab what you think is the right strap and pull it hard. Oh no, that's a leg strap! You've loosened the container on your back, and now you're slipping out! This is not your lucky day. You hold on and tighten up the leg strap. Oh yeah, the safety procedure is coming back to you now. Hmm, step one, cut away from the main parachute with the red handle. Done! Now you're in free fall again. Step two, now find the silver ripcord handle to pop the reserve chute. Gotta hurry, the ground is rushing up at you. Where's that handle? Whoops, there it is, sitting on your chest on the left. You yank it hard. Ka-thump! The chute flies out and deploys and slams the brake on your descent. Now you're relieved. Breathtaking? Heart pounding? Oh yeah! Finally, you can enjoy the view. For about 10 seconds before you land on the ground. Softly. Feet first. Hey, looks like fun. Sign me up. On another day, as always, instead of taking the stairs, you use the elevator. Now, the odds of it falling are 1 in 10 million. You're 10 times more likely to be hit by lightning. But today, you're in that unlucky elevator. As you move down from the fifth floor, the pulley system fails, a cable snaps, and the elevator starts falling. Quickly, you lie down on your back, placing one arm around your head to protect it from the impact, and the other arm over your face to save it from possible falling objects. You spread your legs out evenly. In just a couple of seconds, you brace for impact. It crashes down, and debris from above falls around you. Fantastic job! You've avoided injury! But could it be possible to alter the impact by jumping? Well, let's think this through. If you jump too early, your impact would be more severe as your speed would increase in the descent. And if you jump too late, the velocity of your jump upwards would cause you to bump your head as the elevator would have stopped. You need to jump at the precise moment to be effective in velocity. And without the ability to see through steel, it would be down to sheer luck. So it's better to use the lie-down method. Yeah, good luck with that. You casually drive to work, passing over the same bridge as any other day. Today, there's more traffic than normal, and you're stuck in a jam. The bridge starts to creak. Unfortunately, it's possible for structurally faulty bridges to collapse under excess weight. And there you are. As the bridge falls into the river, your car floats on top. The water is slowly rising around you as it starts to sink. You're trying to remain calm and take a deep breath. You have up to two minutes before the car completely sinks. You need to act fast and roll down the window. 
As you take off your seatbelt, you notice the water has risen above the windows. You try to roll them down, but they're stuck in place from the pressure. You've missed your opportunity. You're sinking further down and thinking about opening the door. Hmm, better not. This will make your vehicle sink even faster. Plus, it'll be more dangerous to exit. The car hits bottom, and the water is slowly entering it. You try to open the door, but the pressure is so intense that it won't budge. You think about the water coming in. Maybe if you waited until there's enough water inside, it could regulate the pressure, allowing the doors to open. But with the limited air that would remain, and if the doors still don't work, that's too much of a risk. Your only choice is to smash the window. You can do it easily due to the water pressure, and it spills in quickly. You take your last deep breath while holding onto the window frame. The car fills in quickly, and the suction suddenly stops. You pull yourself through the window and place your feet on the car, push upwards, and swim to the surface. Yeah, remind me not to carpool with you. You're flying over the Pacific Ocean when suddenly a storm hits the plane, causing it to shake. The aircraft begins to descend, and you lose control. You quickly put on a parachute, eject yourself from the plane, and land on an island. It's a good thing you were the only one on the plane transporting some goods overseas. Luckily enough, the storm hasn't damaged your parachute. You unstrap yourself and head to the closest shelter under some palm trees. You're waiting for the storm to be over. The next day... The sun is shining, and the waves seem nice and friendly. You wake up and look around. Nothing but a large stretch of water encircling you from all directions. Not a boat, human, or another living being is around. You scout the island, trying to find anything. You don't even know what you're looking for. On one side of the small island, you see some scrap metal and remnants of the plane washed ashore. You rush over there and try to see if there's anything useful. Too bad everything is destroyed. However, one sealed box has made it. You open it and see dozens of duct tape rolls piled on top of each other. After going through the island, you head back to your camp, dragging the box of duct tape. You try to figure out what to do. Soon, you get a light bulb moment. There are some places on the island that are hard to access, and since your shoes have been damaged, you fashion out some sandals. To do it, you grab some branches and try to use duct tape to make a new pair of shoes. After many failed attempts, you almost give up. But then, you attach some duct tape to pieces of tree bark that are roughly the size of your foot. Those are going to be the soles of your new shoes. The duct tape is smooth and won't hurt your feet. After adding several branches, you wrap the duct tape around your feet, and voila! You have duct tape sandals. Now you can venture into the rocky parts of the island without damaging your feet. As you walk along the island, you start feeling the heat. You wrap your shirt around your head, but it's not enough to protect you. You use some duct tape to create a hat with the help of leaves. Then you place it on your head. You're now safe to go. After a while, you bring back some stuff you found around the island. By this time, you've started to feel that your tummy is rumbling. Next, at a rocky reef, you spot some large yummy crabs and fish, but you can't catch them with your bare hands. 
You grab a long branch, take some palm tree leaves, and tie everything together to make a net. You then use the duct tape to reinforce it and head to the reef. You're wearing your makeshift sandals and the hat to protect your head and carrying the net to catch some fish. So far, you've only used two rolls of duct tape. After a while, you manage to catch some fish and crabs and take them back to the camp. You make a fire and start grilling your catch. You're sitting on a log, but such a seat isn't too comfortable. You take some duct tape and make a mat for yourself. Once the food is ready, you feast on it. Now another problem, water. There's no fresh water around, but a storm is coming. Meanwhile, you take some coconuts and eat dessert while drinking coconut milk to freshen up. You prepare a small hut by gathering branches and leaves and duct taping them together so that water can't seep into your new home. At the same time, you create a funnel out of duct tape to collect rainwater. After getting into the funnel, the water is collected in a makeshift pond, also made out of duct tape. At this point, you've used almost half of the duct tape rolls. The storm starts brewing and you stay inside your hut where you have your new floor mat. You're bored, so you create a chair and table out of duct tape to make the hut a little comfier. It starts raining and you notice that some water has gathered in the reservoir you built. You immediately drink it using a coconut shell as a glass. Your hut manages to withstand the storm and you catch some Z's on your comfy mat. The next day, you check the duct tape supply and see that you are now halfway to finishing your last roll of tape. You've made a secured and solid hut and have a steady food supply from the reef. You've already spent five days on the island, so now it's time to find a way out. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.